Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Baseball America podcast. Baseball America, bringing you baseball news you can't get anywhere else for more than 35 years. Now it's time to talk baseball. Hey everyone, another Baseball America playoff podcast. JJ and Kyle talking over an extremely brisk and extremely well played, well pitched, I guess would be the way to say it. Uh, game one of the World Series, look ahead a little bit to game two. Before we do that, as always, we do want to remind you, we thank you for tuning in and our podcast is sponsored by Baseballism. Baseballism is the official off-the-field brand of baseball, offering apparel for men, women, and kids. Shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, that's B-A-S-H-I-P, to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. So, Kyle, I mean, we've, we've officially retired the, oh, Clayton Kershaw, playoff curse, all that. That, that. that is dead. Let's just bury that completely. But beyond that, Clayton Kershaw last night. You've seen a lot of Clayton Kershaw. Oh, yeah. That's not, I'm not saying that that's the best game Clayton Kershaw's pitched by any stretch of the imagination. But it, that is peak slash vintage Clayton Kershaw. And it's just, it was great to see him deliver that kind of performance on the big stage. You talk about burying that narrative. But even beyond that, for a lot of fans, I think, nationwide, where, hey, we don't, well, no one gets sports in L.A., but even pre that, yeah. you know, <laughs> no, I, I don't. I mean, no, no one. one. But even pre that, you know, unless you got, you know, Fox Sports West or Fox Sports, you know. Actually, when the, they the reality made, is, is we do get more now because MLB TV. Like, right. I get to watch more, uh, you that's know. That's true. That's true. But uh, I think for a lot of the population, even the average fan, you know, Clayton Kershaw, when they saw him, it was, for the most part, postseason baseball. You know, there's some Sunday night games, mm-hmm. national games, but. Uh, in terms of the casual fan who just enjoys watching the game. And this was a chance to really see Pete Clayton Kershaw in the moment. You know, that fastball, I mean, the curveball was every bit as good as it ever has, as, as it ever is. Fastball, everything in the strike zone. You know, painting corners, making, you know, speeding guys up, slowing them down. Clayton Kershaw, when he's at his best, look, the statistics back it up, is not the best pitcher of our generation. He's the best pitcher of the last 50 years. I mean, Clemens, Randy Johnson, all them, Kershaw has a better peak. Peak, peak. Right, because I was going to say, the thing that those guys it's the have longevity. Is and longevity. Kershaw is still sub-30. Pragmatic longevity. Right, yeah. right. In terms of you know that peak-level performance, I mean, Kershaw beats all of them. All. So, okay. which is I, really saying I'm going to push back. It is, but it's like I'm being really pedantic. And it's peak as in a long peak. Like, Yes. Pedro at Pedro's best, better than Clayton Kershaw. Greg Maddox at Greg Maddox. I mean, Greg Maddox is best, better than Clayton Kershaw. But when you talk about, yeah, he doesn't, he hasn't had the 20 years yet to rack up the, but you talk about a decade. Even 2013, 2012 was five, six years. But moving back into last night's game, Mm -hmm. one mistake, Alex Bregman made him pay. And beyond that, there were also, there were some pitches he left over the zone and he acknowledged that post game but part of what makes Clayton Kershaw so good is because he's constantly changing eye levels constantly mixing pitches you'd be surprised watching major league games there are times where guys miss on the 94 fastball over the plate because the way they've been set up previously but and Kershaw's they can't kind of be a sitting just right I mean the, the, right if you are expecting something and something else comes and it's not the right spot 
that doesn't make it easy to hit. Exactly. And for Clinton Kershaw, he's a master at that, of changing guys' eye levels, making sure they don't know what's coming. Obviously, the pauses in his delivery make timing him up very difficult. And then, you know, that's the other thing, too. It's a lot of 93s and 4s, but with how he kind of slows his delivery down and then it comes at you hot, it comes in a lot hotter looking to the batter. So, overall, I, I think as baseball fans, just be happy for Clayton Kershaw to have that kind of performance. Big moment in the heat. It was it was really special to watch and, and one of the better World Series pitcher performances, I think, in recent memory. But the fascinating part about that also was is that and he was extremely efficient and he was done after seven. Like 83 pitches. I mean, that again, if you want to talk about baseball in 2017 to me, I know we talked about this before the the playoffs ever began, but and it was, I do think it was the right call from the standpoint. From clearly it worked out, but you handed it over to Brandon Morrow, Brandon Morrow, who cruised through the eighth. You handed it over to Kenley Jansen, who was done with the ninth before it was. There's no question it's the right call, and you now have you have. A Clayton Kershaw, the next time he goes out there, he wasn't stretched last night. No, and that was where it was the perfect call. 83 pitches, we've got the lead. And some of that is knowing you've got the horses in the bullpen to close it out. If you are... If Dallas Keuchel had been in the same situation, I know they pulled him pretty quick too, considering he was also very efficient. But but if, you had, if he had a lead at that time... Maybe it would have been a little different. Right, so I think that's, you know, again... Good thing that the Dodgers ha- built the bullpen they did, have with the arms they did, and it's the absolute right move. I think you look at the way that game was managed, really on both sides, it was clean. All the decisions were fine and defensible. There's not, especially on the Dodgers' side, they did a lot of good stuff with their defensive shifts. But they were really in a good position to make all the plays, and, and the pitching staff decisions were the right ones. And the other reality of it is, though, is, is that when you talk about a game when the majority of the runs are scored by home runs. All, all of them. Yeah, all of them. Yeah, it, it's, again, it's one of those situations where there are not many decisions to make. That was the, the funny thing about now living in the home run heavy game that we are. Like, Keiko left the game, and it was described as, as he left, the broadcast described it as, I, I don't, I'm going to get the wrong adjective, but it was basically outstanding, you know, an outstanding out. It was good. Right, six and two-thirds, five hits, three runs. But, but it wasn't, I mean, that's... But, but even with that context, you think about it, it really was two mistakes. Chris Taylor, first pitch mm-hmm. home run. After that smooth sailing, and, you know, that curveball, he definitely left it up to Justin Turner, which is not smart, but he got it in enough at night that ball doesn't go. I mean, that's a wall scraper right. in the day. So I, it's hard to necessarily say. It's not like he left a hanger over the middle of the plate and turned just crushed it. I mean, again, it it wasn't a great pitch, but again, no, he didn't I, pitch poorly. I don't know. I would say though that that's. I don't think Dallas Keuchel would describe that as an outstanding. No, there's no question. He's had better. He's capable of better. But it was nice to see. You know, I, I joked on Twitter. Hey, efficient strike throwing and working quickly is fun. Oh, that I mean, was. I mean, as that game went along, I know, I know I get it on Twitter from people who go, I don't care if the game takes four hours. I will tell you. It is a better product when it goes. I loved it last night because there is something. I love baseball. I love it. However, if we are sitting there and it is 1045 and we're in the fifth, there is a part in my head. I live on the East Coast. I have to get up in the morning. There is a part in my head going, this is going to hurt in the morning. I'm 45. I'm old. This well, is, you know, you but last night we were looking, I'm sitting there and it's 940 and I'm like, we're getting right ahead to the seventh. This is, I'm, if this doesn't go differently than this, I'm going to actually get a good night's sleep. 
after watching a World Series game. Well, How e- awesome is that? E- even I think some of those four-hour games, while they can be exciting and there can be a lot of drama, the pace of them does take away from the start-to-finish enjoyment of them, even for the diehard fan. No one, I think, questions that, hey, a game that goes 232-45 is generally going to be more enjoyable than a game that goes 330, 345, 4. I don't think I'm going to argue that. And I'll say this. Now, I'll say, if if we're not going to get another 228 in the series, I would I would guess. Uh, considering how long you have to go back to see a World Series game that took that short a period of time. In, uh, 25 years, but, but I will say, I also will say, I also, there were moments in the broadcast, I know that I saw complaints of, oh great, now we have commercials, in-game commercials. No, we have in-game commercials instead of leaving the broadcast for commercials. That is a vast... For, for, for that two-minute, 50-second uh, contract scheduled break, I believe. That is a vast improvement from the standpoint of it is something where they did a... We, Kenley Jansen's first pitch was out of his hand as we came back for the start of the night. They did a better job also of not dragging out. Again, the other thing that does jump out is, is you when you don't have five in-inning pitching changes, it makes it a, a much quicker and that's, game. Not only that, you don't have constant mound meetings. You don't have all there of was, the, I mean, there's nothing... Clayton Kershaw did not need a whole lot of meetings to go, yeah, keep it up. Yeah. So, you know, Brent Strong came out, I think, I think he once. Came out like, once. He came out like, once to... This to, guy really can hit. It was to go over the Justin Turner scouting yeah. report, and Keuchel struck him out. And yeah. then, uh, then they came out to, you know, pull him there and at the end of the seventh. So, but, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, with Ridge Hill, Justin Verlander... I wouldn't put it past to have. Again, I'm not going to predict 228, but I wouldn't put it past either oh, to have a, a similar, like a similar. Uh, you hope for sub three. I think it's definitely in the realm of possibility. Um, before we get into game two, the other things that are, a couple of moments that that I think could be important for the series. For one, Chris Davinsky. We does, tweeted out the exact same. Chris Davinsky does live, and Chris Davinsky looked much more like. Chris Davinsky, who we expect to see, which is important for the Astros from the standpoint that... You have that bridge, and you have some confidence in that bridge. Now, he has some confidence. Okay, hey, I can do this still. Well, and <laughs> now A.J. Hinch will use him again. Right. Now, I do think, though, I think the fact that we saw Brad Peacock is indicative of the fact that we're going to see a decent bit of Brad Peacock reliever in this series. Which is the right call. I mean, Lance McCullers should be your Game 4 starter. He's right. earned that, and I, I'm glad to see the Astros. You know, some teams say, oh, we're going to stick to what we stuck with. No, you need to put your best players on the field, and right now, well, I would say generally, but right now especially, Lance McCullers is a better pitcher than Brad Peacock in the starting role, an expanded role. Um, before the other thing, it's not something that, I, mean, I don't want to go on it too much because it is something that everyone's talking about, and, you know, we're we want to add some, you know, little nuggets that you maybe didn't know Salesforce, but it is something that having Chris Taylor and Justin Turner being the stars of your NLCS co MVPs and then your World Series Game One power suppliers, it is amazing. You know, Chris Taylor coming up was a guy who was a, a, a decent bat who, if you focused on what he was poor at, I mean, it's funny. Like the Mariners had a couple of these guys because. Chris Taylor and I would say Brad Miller, if you focused on what they're not good at, you would say, you know, they're shortstops, but really, you can do better at shortstop than these guys. And, you know, offensively, they're okay. But, I mean, Chris Taylor, again, he's never been this good. And credit to him, credit, you know, to a lot of work, retooling the swing to some extent and all. But at the same time, Chris Taylor... In the minors, had a pretty good track record of being Look, a decent. He, he was a good player, but you also see, you know, six home runs in high desert. 
I mean, this is right. The, the, he has the, the power was not retooled, and and that is something that does stand out. Yeah, but the, it the also... Mariners ran through a couple. You know, the hats just went. Brad Miller. Okay, no, we don't want to do that. We'll do Chris Taylor. Oh no, don't no, no. Then we'll do Kendall Martin. Oh no, we don't want to do. That. I mean, the Mariners really cycled through a, a good number of shortstops there, all of whom have moved on to other teams and have have had a decent amount of success. Although now that they've brought in John Gene Segura, again. Great, great acquisition, but the ex-Mariner shortstop club, who's gone out, who have gone out and done some good things, is is rather long recently. Right, but you know, you are talking about uh, Chris Taylor debut. You know, coming. I mean, he, you know, coming out of Virginia, debuts uh, three twenty-eight, four thirty, four seventy-five in Everett. He goes to Jackson two ninety-three, three ninety-one, three eighty-three, three thirty-five, four twenty-six, five twenty-four. He was always a good player. He always the the, the point I make then. Tacoma, which again, these are good parks to hit, but 328, 397, 497. The point being, you know, this guy is a career 400 OBP guy in the minors, over 300 average. The slugging percentage, he's learned how, but the, uh, the point with this, the point with Justin Turner is being able to hit, it is easier if you can hit to learn how to hit for more power than it no is doubt. if you have power to learn to how to hit. And that's where I think when we talk to certain individuals, especially when we're talking about high school picks who are power over hit, be skeptical. because It's not that it never works, but it is something where it is... Uh, uh, well, really, especially in... I don't know what the bizarro world baseball that we have in the majors in 2017 is going to last, but when everyone can clear the fence, and I mean everyone in the lineup, then having if you're you're being having eighty raw power compared to sixty raw power becomes a lot less significant than it is if you're playing in nineteen sixty eight where basically it took uh, you know a, a fifty mile an hour wind blowing out to uh, you know right field to help carry the ball you know get the ball carried. When the when the environment more power is you know is more valuable when the ball doesn't fly. The ball flies now. And I think the thing for me, and that's when we look at some smilers, the most important thing right now is find the guys who hit the ball hard and hit it often. A lot of doubles, you know, 300 averages with a lot of doubles, young for the level, bet on that guy every single time because as soon as he gets to the majors and has some strength, the ball is going to start flying. We've seen that again and again and again and again compared to the guy in the minors who's, you know, 255, 310, with but shows you power at 28 bombs in the minors, that's a good line at the major league level. At the minor league level, considering what we know about moving up now, that's not great. You're kind of better off betting on the guy who's 300, lot of doubles, gets on base at a higher clip. You know, although there is, it's funny, like you do, and then I'm like, okay, but the, the Chris Davis, the world still do exist, the Mark Trumbos, right. the, you know, the Joey Gallows. Yeah. You, know, you, know, so. one thing, you mentioned Chris Taylor. One thing about Justin Turner that's, you know, a lot has been written about how he went to the private hitting coaches and really retold a swing and talked to Marlon Byrd and all these other things. But when you go back and look, his first real extended stint with the Mets in 2011, you know, 260 with a 334 on base, that's, you know, a slightly above average hitter with, Roughly, so slightly average to slightly above on base. So, I mean, his first extended, there was still a hint that this guy can hit a little bit as a major league caliber. Obviously, the power hadn't come and saying, oh, that's going to translate to a 340 average two years later playing at Dodger Stadium. No, but I do think you do look for those signs of, okay, excuse me, three years later hit 340. I do think you look for those signs of, okay, this guy can hit. He consistently squares baseballs up. 
he sees pitches well, he gets on base. If you have that as a foundation with some defensive versatility, as we've seen both Chris Taylor and Justin Turner have, that's not a guy you should ever discount. And I do think we've, because as we've talked about, swing adjustments can be made, power can be added, that natural feel to hit, that natural knack for getting on base with some athleticism and defensive versatility and also, Taylor and Turner are both guys with various points of you know, showing a high motor and play, play hard and put in all the work necessary. Those are really good traits to have, and you should bet on those guys more than, I think, some of the guys who it's huge raw power, but I have no idea if he's going to hit. Sometimes it works, and when right. it, when it now, hits, it can hit big, well, but the other thing I'll say it's with a that lot though, riskier. Is that, you know, again, it, in, but I don't know. We know what the environment is in 2017. Which right. the, the environment 2017 it, to just put it out there like it's not again this is not any uh, you know lamp you know earth shattering news. We talk to person after person. We talk to people in front offices when you're talking about a minor leaguer, and they'll say when he gets to the majors he'll hit for power. Well, why? Well, why? You know he can't hit for power now. Why is he going to hit for power in the majors? Oh no no. The ball, the environment, it's way easier to hit home runs in the majors than it is in double-A and triple-A. And some of it, you know, Matt Eddy, our, our brilliant uh, numbers man here, looked at it. Even pre this environment, you still saw that progression because guys get stronger. Guys do get stronger, and absolutely. And the fact that pitchers are but, throwing harder in the zone more when you can't, if you have right, the bat speed the to square ball it up. Carry, but the, but they, now it's exponentially higher because the ball is carrying at rates we've never the seen The minor before. league ball and the major league ball are different balls, and we can't find a person that we talk to who thinks those ball carry those balls carry the same way? Oh no, we've talked. You know, there have been conversations that have been relayed to us that have been talked about that. Where you know, when major leaguers come down now uh, to AAA, they're required to use the major league ball for rehab. And you and talk it's like, to someone, and everyone's like, and you party see, tonight, and you, know? you see that you talk to AAA, the people, the AAA folks, they'll tell you, no, that major league ball carries way different. I mean, you see it; it's visible. So. It's going to be interesting to see if Major League Baseball, you know, they've talked about, we test all the balls, but the range of what's acceptable yeah. is so broad. I'd be interested to see if they really put in the work to tighten up that range of acceptability to ensure. I don't know if they I don't, want but I, to. I don't know if they, I don't exactly. know if they want that's to. Because, be, again. It'll be interesting to see if they do. Because, again. Because I don't know if they will. Because, really, if you talk about the way the game currently is, the game in 2017, if you had that game last night and you took away home runs, then there would have been literally it would have all been it would have been all pitching. I mean, because you had because the you reality could, you is, say, you is say the strikeout environment has keeps going up. Yes. The ball is in play much less. So if the ball's in play less, and all of a sudden you take away, we've seen literally almost a doubling in the home run rate per game in in the span of just a few years. But if you take that away, if you just put us back in the environment of home runs of a few years ago. You would see scoring go through the floor because if if you're having you know if you're having basically one out of every four to one out of every three batter you know at bats ends in a strikeout stringing together you know and again throw on top of that the shifts which means that it is more difficult for batters you know if you hit the ball hard on the ground. It's not finding holes as much as it used to in some ways. You put all that together and stringing together the four or five hit inning to score three runs, it's a lot harder to do than it was a decade ago. Although the Astros showed it still is possible. They let every major league offensive category while striking out the least amount. So I think part right. of this building but, the, building... but a lot of that also was, though, is, was they also, as we talked about, everyone on that team hits home runs. True. 
But so, they, 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 you know, it's interesting. I was looking through. They didn't lead the majors in home runs, but they were close. But they led in hits. They led in runs. They led in doubles. They led in total bases. So they did hit a lot of home runs, but they also hit a lot of doubles. They also hit a lot of. They hit a lot of singles. I mean, it, again, the thing. Find guys who can hit. Just I mean, we try and I think sometimes get overly complicated with it. Simplify it. Find guys who hit the ball and hit it hard. And yeah, but the, and the cautionary thing with those is that just just not be able to just hit because there's also. While there are many guys with raw power who never can put it together to become solid big leaguers, there are also still a large number of guys who can hit but have no power, and that doesn't work either. You have to, you have to, right, in the I, game today, you have to do both. Right, and I think as we've talked about it, because we've seen power jump for guys who, frankly, had no power. Freddie Galvis had, I mean, until 20 to 80 power, his was a zero. I mean, 20 power suggests mm-hmm. it's on the major league scale. His was not. Mm-hmm. And guess what? I mean, again, part of that is playing in system bank. But guess what? 20 home run season. And, you know, what? Didi Gregorius, uh, Chris Taylor. I mean, a lot of these guys who no one ever saw, yeah, there's 20 home runs there. So, again, I think given what we have the environment today, I still say, you know, again. Yeah, right. Pa- I'm, pa- I'm just pa- disagreeing pa- with you somewhat is what I'm right. doing. Is, is that pa- pa- you, you emphasize the hit, but at the same time, I'm still saying, you, there has to be some strength there. Now again, some right. of that, some there needs of this to be is strength. But to me, if it's okay, if he's lining balls hard oh, into the gaps, a- absolutely. I, I, I'm not talking about oh, he makes a lot of contact, but it's a chopper into the ground. I'm not talking about that. I'm right. talking about if he hits the ball with authority. If it's on a but, line and doesn't elevate, that's okay. But to tie it It'll into get you know, that to elevate. When the Braves top ten came out, and Christian Pache is 18, he's number 10 on the Braves list, and Christian Pache's swing right now does nothing. I mean, it is a it is there. It is a long. It is a somewhat long through the zone. There's no loft to it. It is something that is going to hit the ball when he hits it hard. It's not going to be driven generally over the fence or even to the gaps. And the thing that is difficult in 2017, if we were talking in 1997, you would say with that, you know, with that swing, he he very well may never develop power. But you talk, when I talk to scouts now about that in 2017, and they say, well, he has the frame to fill out. He's 18. I think he's going to be much bigger. You know, he's still going to be athletic, but he's going to be much bigger when he's 23, 25, 27. Then you go on top of that and you say, yeah, his swing right now absolutely does not. He'd have to retool it to hit for power. Okay. In 1997, when I go, okay, well, the, you know, I mean, how, how hard would that be to retool it to hit for power? But nowadays, you're like, yeah, okay. I mean, there's, you know, yeah. okay, he needs to do what Justin Turner and J.D. Martinez and Chris Taylor, and we could keep going. I mean, this is, there's a long list of guys who've done that. Brent Rooker, I mean, you know, even for, you know, for guys who are doing it at the amateur level. Okay, so you don't, there's no part of that where you say, yeah, I've got to rule out any chance of him hitting for power. Right. Nowadays, there's almost this expectation he's going to figure it out. Right. So, and to go to game two, though. So, we've got we've got Verlander versus Hill tonight. Um, we also, by the way, to touch back on what we... Corey Seager, so far, so good. Yeah. I mean, I'll see, you know, a little flip that wasn't quite right to Logan Forsythe, but it happens. I mean, no, he... Two hits, back up the middle, made every play he needed to at short. Uh, yeah. I think as much as, you know, obviously the win itself in Kershaw, if you're a Dodger fan... That's as encouraging as everything. Okay, he's back. There's no the hitting. So, the, there's no wincing. You know when he swung. There was no tenderness moving out there at short. I mean, yeah, that's the Corey Seager they've they've grown to to know and love. And if he's back, 
you know, look out. But uh, so, what do you think? What are you looking for in game two tonight? I'm looking for Justin Verlander to come out firing BBs. I mean, this is a guy who has won every single start he's made since joining the Astros. Has been absolutely lights out. Oh, and he won his relief appearance too. Yeah. Um, you know, just we're you know we we talk about Pete Kershaw. We've seen Pete Verlander now ever since he got to Houston. Look, I picked the Dodgers to win this series. Um, I think that what what I said was I said Dodgers and six. I expect a fight. However, the Dodgers are that team that you can never rule them out just because the level they're playing at and they've played at for you know the entire postseason. Just roll through. Oh, four, done, done, done. Whoop, we're and, champs. And especially because of the way we saw. I mean, last night, if it is something where it's a low run, you know, a low run environment again, which it could very well be. Okay. And by the way, I mean, you're going to see Rich Hill do to the Astros what the Astros did late in that series to the Yankees, which is curveball, 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 curveball. You know, we're going to see how well, you know, how well they can handle it. But if it's a low run environment, well, then you are talking about, and both of these teams can do it. Then you are talking about anyone in almost, in almost either of these lineups can hit it out, you know? And so you are talking about a situation where, it's it's who makes it may be who makes one or two mistakes. No question. I, again, I always go back to I will bet on Justin Verlander every single time. Um, but I do think that for for the Astros a little bit, you know, going home down two zero obviously isn't a great position. It's not an unsurvivable position. I'm not going to go. Oh, this is the must win game. If they lose this, they're out of the series. But I do think this is important. If you the Astros go out and throw Keuchel and Verlander and lose both of those. It is very difficult all of a sudden to see a path where can they then beat the Dodgers four times in five games, having lost, knowing that they're, those two aces. Right, they get to go home, and they've been much and, better and that home. Helps, and that helps. But but I, I so for but me, they also know that you're 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 staring at Kershaw again. Right. You know, again in the series. Now you're getting and, and by the way, Darvish and Wood are greater than Morton and McCullers, as nice as those mm-hmm. two pitch in Game Seven. So. Uh, for me, oh, oh, let me let me just say, I know that we're scheduled, and wisely they've said Kershaw's not going on short rest. If it got to Game Seven, and you're the Astros, you know, you know, you are seeing like we saw it, la- you know, last. It year might be out of the bullpen. But... It's going to be out of the bullpen, but you know, in that game. You know that you are seeing Kershaw in Game Seven. There's there's a very good likelihood if it gets there. If um, it gets there, I again based on the fact of what we saw last year in the postseason, you know where Kershaw. I came will in, say it was a little bit of a different dynamic because the Dodgers bullpen was nowhere near as strong and they were out of. Oh, bodies. I'm not saying he's pitching the ninth, but I'm saying I cannot envision a scenario where you're not saying because again that the Dodgers wisely they planned these things out. They had a plan. For that game against the Nationals, it didn't involve Kershaw, but they had these innings to beat up and these innings and these innings. I can't imagine that they're not going to have a, a chunk of innings there divvied up for Kershaw. Again, I think some of it will depend on how the rest of the series plays out and where all the arms are at, but I, I get what you're saying. I do think, going back to tonight, look, the Astros, they, losing this one puts them in a really bad spot. Again, I, I just by default... I give Justin Verlander the benefit of the doubt. I bet on him. Um, I, I think we're going to see another really well-pitched game, hopefully another quick-moving game. You know, Rich Hill has been 
excellent. I mean, people have talked about the story of his comeback, you know, the trade last year. Look, Jarrell Cotton and Grant Holmes and Frankie Montas may eventually grow into, you know, two really good Great starters trade. and Great a good leader for the A's. But what Rich Hill has provided to them, and the, you know, they had to resign him, but clearly the fact that he was theirs, they gave him that taste last year, he came back this year. It's a trade that's worked out pretty well. And I would not, you know, it's tough for me to pick this one. Um, again, I default give it to Justin Verlander, but could the Dodgers beat him? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. But I do agree with you. I mean, you don't ever – game two is not must win. It's just very important. But I do agree with you. It, if you end up, you have – you've basically – you've sent Keuchel and Verlander out there. Now, you, again, Keuchel versus Kershaw, you kind of know as good as Dallas Keuchel is. Keuchel versus Kershaw in Kershaw's LA. Kershaw's the better pitcher. You you don't expect. They're both excellent, but Kershaw's right, the better expect, pitcher. You expect okay, we're going to be down 0-1. That's not something where there's no part of this where if you're the Astros, you go, man, you know this is you know that's nothing. There's nothing unexpected about that. It is something though where all of a sudden if you get through this one, because this is the game. Rich Hill, the the exact inverse is true. Rich Hill's a really good pitcher. Justin Verlander. Is, is a, a better much pitcher. better pitcher because Justin Verlander is a, is a great, and Justin Verlander is on a string right now of absolute. We talk about Pete Kershaw. This has been Pete Verlander again. We've gotten a new return to Pete Verlander many years after we saw Pete Verlander before. Um, but you know, you you put it that together, and yeah, this one it does feel like okay. This should be an Astros W. And well, I would say. Again, I hesitate to say should just because the Dodgers are so good and they win so many games. It's hard to ever say they're they're an underdog, but I will say that the Astros are. Uh, this is a game they they really need this one. I mean, again, if you were to throw your two aces and go down 0-2 against this team, uh, it's hard. Again, nothing's impossible, and they get to go home, but it's hard to envision coming back from that. So I, I expect to see the Astros come out, you know, they did swing early in counts yesterday, so there was a little bit of sense of urgency. I think we'll see a similar sense of urgency today to, again, try and get up early because, again, if, you, if you're if you down 3-1 in the seventh going into that Dodgers bullpen, you're probably not coming back. You don't feel good about coming back. So that'll, that'll be interesting to see how the Astros, uh, you know, come out against Rich Hill and how aggressive they are against such a curveball-heavy pitcher. It, it will be interesting. It will be interesting, and hey, I'm not even asking for 228, but a nice, crisp uh, three-hour game, awesome. And with these two pitchers, very could very well happen. Very, you know, it, it could, and it'll be fun to watch. We'll be back to talk about it again tomorrow. Hopefully, have John back. He'll be back in town tomorrow, so hopefully, we'll have. Uh, John back to talk about it as well. But we do thank you for tuning in today. Today's podcast was sponsored by Baseballism. Don't forget to shop now at Baseballism.com and enter the offer code BASHIP, B-A-S-H-I-P, to receive free shipping on your order. Visit Baseballism.com to shop for hats, shirts, and more today. For Kyle, I'm JJ. We will talk to you tomorrow. This concludes our program. Want more in-depth baseball coverage? Be a better fan. Visit BaseballAmerica.com to get more comprehensive baseball coverage. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. 
Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.